Dinosaurs eat man. Woman inherits the earth. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. I can't wait for you to hear this. This week's show came from a TikTok video I saw, and normally, you know, you take that with a grain of salt, but it was such a crazy story, I just had to look it up, and holy crap, it's true. It happened, and it's absolutely bizarre, which means it fits this show perfectly. As always, if you have an idea for a topic that sounds like it's made up but it's true, send it in to me. You can do that through the form on the internet says it's true.com or by tweeting or Facebooking me. If you want to become a supporter of this show, it will help me pay some of the bills. I've recently upgraded the studio equipment and that comes at a cost. So you can help out by joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. And that's also a good way to listen to the episodes ad-free, see the unedited guest Zoom calls, and when I get some free time again, listen to bonus episodes. So let's get back to that TikTok video I was talking about. The account that posted it was called science underscore is underscore real. And it goes like this. Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, was involved in a dinosaur bone discovery hoax. What? So let's talk about Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and his dinosaur hoax. It starts with this documentary right here. It follows a team of young homeschoolers, including Mark Meadows' nine-year-old daughter, as they're looking for dinosaurs that will prove the Earth is young and dinosaurs died in a worldwide flood only a mere 6,000 years ago or so. Over the next four days, they were able to excavate an allosaur, a stegosaur, and a 120-foot-long sauropod. Now. That obviously didn't really happen, but it didn't stop them from marketing this to other kids as a true story. What? Sounds crazy, right? Uh, check this out. You may have heard of Mark Meadows. Even if you don't follow politics, you've likely seen him on TV. He was named chief of staff to former President Donald Trump during his last year in office. He appeared regularly on the news to support the former president from questioning the effectiveness of masks in fighting COVID-19 to questioning the results of the 2020 presidential election. At the time of the recording of this episode, Meadows has been held in contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with the January 6th committee. It's worth noting that in the infancy of that committee, Meadows was cooperative, but stopped cooperating at some point. It's also worth noting that in between the time when he was cooperating and not cooperating, Donald Trump's political action committee donated a million dollars to the conservative nonprofit where Mark Meadows works. Just interesting and worth noting, that's all. But I don't want to digress. This episode is not about current politics. It's not about Donald Trump. It's not even about how this guy Mark Meadows was once forced to pay $400,000 back when he was a congressman because his chief of staff was sexually harassing women. It's not about his comments that bordered on birtherism during the Obama administration or how he lied about what kind of degree he received from the University of South Florida. And it's definitely not about how he aided Trump in his efforts to overthrow the 2020 election. It's about dinosaurs. Yes, dinosaurs. This headline appeared in 2002. It was a press release that read, Homeschool Expedition Uncovers Rare Allosaur and Giant Sauropod. The article goes on to explain how a group of homeschooled children went on an expedition in Colorado, and the children and their parents stumbled upon and excavated these amazing groundbreaking fossils in just four days. They were searching for fossils and not finding anything, so they prayed 
and then amazingly started finding all these historically significant dinosaur bones. And one of those children, the first one to find anything, was the nine-year-old daughter of Mark Meadows. It went much further. The article went on to describe how the fossils were found along with plant and tree debris, proving that the animals had been buried by a biblical flood just 6,000 years ago. But we now know the truth, and it didn't go down like they reported. I'll tell you more after a quick break. This is an awesome podcast I have to tell you about. Have you ever wondered about the inspiration behind board games like Outburst or Taboo? Maybe you have a fascination with the supernatural, like why do ghosts never have feet? That's kind of strange, isn't it? Want to know what it's like working as a wig master for Broadway shows, including the one that was so bad critics used it as the goalpost for other bad shows? Or, hey, maybe you just enjoy hearing interesting stories. Then you should totally check out Good People, Cool Things, hosted by Joey Held, author, podcaster, and noted guy with a soothing voice. Good People, Cool Things interviews business owners, authors, musicians, and other creatives. They talk about their careers, their worst moments, they offer advice, and so much more. And as a fun bonus, every episode ends with a corny joke, because we could all make a few more people grown in life. If you're listening and paying attention and you know me and this show and you're a fan of this show, you'll like Good People Cool Things too, trust me. Listen and follow at goodpeoplecoolthings.com or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's been colder lately and I have photos on my Instagram of me wearing one of my favorite clothing items for this time of year, my Scotty Vest fleece. It is awesome for traveling around because it has pockets for all of my gadgets, for my phone, my glasses, my wallet my charging cord, you name it. It's a clothing company I believe in. And I'm confident that they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. Go to scottyvest.com and enter promo code TM15. That's Tango Mike 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. The link is in my show notes. I love a good old-fashioned quality bourbon, natural ingredients. When it's done right, it's just perfect. Well, I found this company in booze. They make natural ingredient cocktail infusions with fruits, herbs, and spices that help you create a drink at home with your favorite alcohol out of ingredients that you know and trust. It's actually a pretty easy process too. You just buy a kit from in booze, whether it's the red wine sangria infusion or the spicy margarita. Then you add the infusion to your own alcohol, and then you let it sit, you let it infuse for three days. Then you're ready to party with a natural flavor, amazing tasting cocktail. You can also find recipes for mocktails if you're not an alcohol drinker. Go check out all the infusions they have to offer at inbooze.com. That's I-N-B-O-O-Z-E.com. And let them know I sent you. I've also put the link on my deals page on my website. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to the internet says it's true.com slash deals for the link. Let's get back to this crazy story. 
So we know there was this article with the headline, Homeschool Expedition Uncovers Rare Allosaur and Giant Sauropod. And a few months after that, there was an accompanying documentary titled Raising the Allosaur, The True Story of a Rare Dinosaur and the Homeschoolers Who Found It. And Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, appears in this documentary several times. In one scene, he excitedly says, We were working towards the end of the day here, just trying to get one last bit of rock out before, you know, before we finished, when all of a sudden we spotted a little bit of bone, we thought, and we found a claw. The Dig and the documentary were products of a group known as Vision Forum Industries. They were a group for homeschooled evangelical children. They called it the Dragon's Den Dig. The promise was that it would provide the excitement of hunting for dinosaur bones while teaching them that fossils provide evidence for the flood described in the book of Genesis. Well, we later found out a few things about the dig. First of all, it was conducted on a 134-acre property in Dinosaur, Colorado. Yes, that's the actual name of the city. And that ranch was sold three years ago to Ken Ham. And if that name sounds familiar, that's the young earth creationist that runs the Ark Encounter in Kentucky and the Creation Museum. The Ark Encounter is a $100 million replica of Noah's Ark. He's also the author of countless books that teach children that dinosaurs and man roamed the earth at the same time. Here's a little bit of Ken Ham. I want to show you that when you take God at his word in the book of Genesis, that we can explain dinosaurs and observational science actually confirms that explanation based upon the Bible. See, the Bible tells us that God made the land animals on day six of creation. And who else was created on day six? Well, Adam and Eve. And how long ago was that? Well, when you add up all the dates in the Bible, about 6,000 years. So taking God at his word in Genesis, dinosaurs lived beside people about 6,000 years ago. And the Bible tells us that there was a global flood and two of every kind of land-dwelling, air-breathing animal went on board the boat that Noah built, Noah's Ark. And the other thing to remember is that the average size of a dinosaur is only the size of a sheep or a German shepherd dog or a small pony or something like that. You see, some of the dinosaurs did grow large like the sauropods, but even they hatched from eggs and were once young adults and so would not have been that large. Actually, there was plenty of room on board Noah's Ark for two of every kind of the dinosaur kind. And I'm sure that God chose those young adults that were ready for the new world to populate in the new world. So that's the guy that bought the Dino Dig Ranch three years ago. But who did he buy it from? Well, this is interesting. The person who sold him the ranch was none other than Mark Meadows. It turns out Meadows had purchased the property a few months after the Raising the Allosaur dig. Of course, that's not a problem. Selling a property isn't illegal. That is, unless the then-congressman didn't disclose the sale on his congressional financial disclosures, which he's required to do by law. And that's what happened, or what didn't happen. So was the discovery of these dinosaur bones completely made up? Yes and no. The ranch is known for being a rich source of dinosaur fossils. That's why Ken Ham and his Answers in Genesis group paid $200,000 for the property. And the fossils of the Allosaurus and the Sauropod were real too. But when the press release came out about these homeschoolers and their parents finding the fossils, the paleontology world buzzed with skepticism. Even in the world of creationist dinosaur hunters, they were skeptical. It was reported that these fossils, including a 12-foot section of an intact Allosaurus spine, were discovered, dug, and completely excavated in just four days. That's a feat that would be absolutely incredible if performed by a huge team of the most experienced paleontologists in the world. 
So how could this have been accomplished in just four days by some homeschoolers with no experience? Well, the truth is, it didn't happen, it wasn't. It turns out that these fossils had been discovered and excavated two years prior in 2000. The ranch was owned at that time by a school teacher named Dana Forbes, and the bones were excavated by a young earth creationist named Joe Taylor. Taylor is an experienced fossil hunter, and it took him two weeks to recover the fossils. Along with Joe Taylor, a guy named Pete DeRosa took part in the real dig, and it was DeRosa who worked out a deal to start leading young earth creationist dino digs for children. But he never got permission to take claim for the discovery and give it to homeschoolers or to create a documentary about it. Joe Taylor, who had done most of the discovery work, found out about this when he saw the press release about it. And he was rightly upset about someone else taking credit for the work that he had done. This is where it gets kind of weird. Okay, well, this whole story is kind of weird, but another level of weirdness. Instead of a lawsuit, the involved parties took part in a Christian mediation which is this thing where a third party helps mediate the dispute according to biblical principles. Because I guess, according to these people, the American court system doesn't do that? I don't know. And another third party stepped in, this politician named Michael Perutka, and he helped them work out that Taylor would be paid $125,000 for his trouble. Taylor was never happy with the deal, and he still ended up in debt. The documentary ended up getting pulled because of its obvious ethical concerns. Near the end of the documentary, you hear them talking about how the ranch has recently been purchased for future creationist dinosaur expeditions. They don't say it, but that's Mark Meadows. He's the one that purchased it at that time. You can still find this documentary around the internet if you really want to see it. And as for the skeletons, they're now being displayed at the Creation Museum, which is owned by Ken Ham's Answers in Genesis. It's displayed alongside other fossils and falsehoods about their origins like a model of a dinosaur wearing a saddle. No, that exists. And we all know what happened to Mark Meadows. He continued his troublesome relationship with the truth, and even in 2022, continues working with dinosaurs. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling my buddy Jay Black. Jay has been on the podcast a few times before. He's always fun. He's a stand-up comedian. He's an author, a producer, and a screenwriter. The audio in this interview is a little bit dicey at first, but it gets better, so hang in there. What's up, Jay? It's good to see you again, man. Mike, it is great to be back with the great Michael Kent and his hat. This is my first time seeing you had it in my life. I'm I'm one of these guys that I have an everyday man face, so I can put on a hat and look like a different person, or put on glasses and look like a different person because there's I don't have distinguishing characteristics, which I'm not sure is a good thing or yeah. a bad thing. But no, I I've always said I'm God's model 101A. Like when he gets tired <laughs> at the end of the night, and he, he like I'm like the snake, uh, the the clay snake of people. God can make them real fast and just like put them out, you know? I, yeah. So I've often, you know, I'll show up somewhere in a professional setting. My friends obviously can recognize me, but in a professional setting, if I show up wearing a hat, they don't recognize me if they've met me before. Uh, It's kind of a dumb thing, Uh, but I like it. Actually, I like it. I can put on glasses and and be someone different. Uh, You guys, are you getting the crazy snow that we're getting here in Ohio? No, not, we got it last week. Okay. We, we got, uh, you know, the nor'easter, as they say, which nothing makes me feel more Boston than getting to say nor'easter. Nor'easter. It, it, it yeah. does sound, nor, yeah, I sound like an extra in like, or like uh, the, the old guy in the, uh, in the slasher films. They're like, be careful up there. 
an oyster's coming you know, like that. <laughs> I feel I feel like pretty cool about that. But yeah, we got the nor'easter. You guys are dealing. You got the snow this week. Yeah, we got it. We got it over the weekend. Um, well, Thursday, Friday. So, you know, Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel was in Columbus on Thursday, which we thought was kind of silly because we hadn't gotten much snow yet. But there was there's an inch yeah. of ice under our snow. It, it iced ice rain all day Thursday, and then so we've had level two snow emergency Thursday, Friday, and I believe yesterday. We're recording Wait, what, this on Sunday. How many levels are there? Uh, at least three, maybe four. Uh, there were surrounding right, counties got- with th- level three, but level two is like you're not supposed to go out unless it's an emergency. Yeah, level level five is Luke Skywalker is fighting uh, Adats yeah. on the planet Hoth. That's, <laughs> yeah, like, the Empire is attacking, and we're a nice planet, so let's go. Absolutely, and and what's the what's the thing he has to cut open that 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 he had to cut open to the ta- he had to cut the tauntaun open just to stay alive and and sleep inside That's of it. One of my favorite Han, Han Solo lines. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> so we cut them open. We had my brother and I had the Tauntaun toy and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it actually had a rubber belly with a slit so that you could insert uh, one of the figures into it. So you could actually physically yeah. put, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker inside of the Tauntaun, which I thought was that's I attention think to detail. Like like 75 percent of our generational trauma back to that toy. Yeah, <laughs> like I think uh, if you if you look at like Gen X and late millennials, and you go like, what really was your problem? It's like shoving uh, Luke Skywalker into the Tauntaun. Like, I think it messed me up for good. That's good. We had you on the podcast talking about Star Wars once, but this is not about Star Wars. Although this episode is every bit as crazy, uh, and so right. here's here's uh, the first question, Jay. And this one we're playing for a joke. So if you get it right, I have to tell a joke. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me one. Sure. Before Trump chief of staff Mark Meadows was trying to help Trump overthrow the 2020 presidential election, which one of these was Mark Meadows also involved in? A, a fake claim about homeschoolers discovering dinosaurs. B, a Nigerian credit card scam ring. Or C, a scheme to defraud investors in shipwrecked pirate treasure see the shipwrecked pirate treasure yeah so i'm guessing but it feels like that would in my heart it feels like someone who's involved with trump it's got all the hallmarks there it's got you know hey i'm going to make money for you it's a baddie idea and it's uh it's obvious fraud that people fall for so that to me is like the trifecta of trumpism so that that's my guess the answer, Jay, is A, a fake claim about homeschoolers discovering dinosaurs. Damn it. This is, it's cra- it's so crazy you would never guess it. So basically, in through both a press release and a documentary, Mark Meadows and his nine-year-old daughter appear in this thing. And they said, we discovered, not only did they say we discovered these dinosaur fossils, but we dug them up. We completely excavated them within a period of four days during this creationist dino dig, and we found it mixed with plant and tree matter, and so it proves the biblical flood happened and that dinosaurs walked with man. Uh, Yeah, okay. This documentary was was meant to be proof of that, 
And, uh, you know, of course, they, they pulled the documentary once the, the people who really dug the dinosaurs, who were also young Earth creationists, said, no, right. I dug this proof of the biblical flood, not these little kids. So, so they weren't fighting over the truth of the documentary. <laughs> they were fighting over who did it. Yeah, that's, that's like, correct. Who, who scammed first? Here's how susceptible I am. I'm now rejecting science. I'm a young Earth creationist. I believe the earth was made an hour ago and everything has been implanted in our minds by God. Everything we remember. That's how young earth I am. Pro yeah. And prove I'm wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, prove it. Okay. You can't. I just take the checkmate atheist. <laughs> so you, right, you owe I, me a joke. Okay. So this is uh, a joke that I just read. I, I might mess it up because it's my first time telling it live. Okay. okay. Young mother is uh, mother-to-be is driving in her car to have a baby the brother is driving and he's like a dumb dumb brother right so um they get into an accident and uh, she wakes up five days later and she's like oh my god i'm so upset and they're like no no no, you're fine the babies are fine everybody's fine it's don't worry about it and she's like what about my babies they said don't worry your brother named them and they went oh no 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 you couldn't let them do that what did he name them well he said they named the girl Denise. And the mother goes, oh, okay. Ooh, ooh, okay, that's not so bad. What about the son? Uh, he named him the nephew. <laughs> I just read it. I, was so, I read it. I was like, I've never heard that joke. I thought it was pretty good. No, that's that's my joke to you, that's Michael good. Kent. I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> question number two. For this question, we're going to play for a tweet in which we use the phrase Hershey squirts. So okay. uh, right. here's how this worked. I, I said to my wife yesterday, I said, hey, uh, one of the questions that I'm going to ask Jay tomorrow is, uh, you know, I have to like do some some embarrassing thing that we have to tweet in inside of a tweet, some phrase or something. Right. And I said, what would be funny? And she goes, Hershey, Hershey squirts. And I said, boom, that's it. So. Okay. Uh, so that's okay. from Allison. That's a gift from Allison. Uh, Thank you, if, Allison. <laughs> if you get it wrong, you've got to say Hershey squirts in a tweet and I'll tweet it if you get it right. Here's your question. Okay. During. The January 6th insurrection and attack on the Capitol building, Mark Meadows oh, received... Hold on, you mean, you mean legitimate political discourse? Legi according to the, the GOP's, uh, to Ronald McDaniel's letter, the, the head of the GOP, legitimate political discourse and yeah. attack yeah. on the Capitol building. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mark Meadows received dozens of texts while that was going on. Which one of these was a real text from the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., to Mark Meadows. A, this is freaking awesome. B, we need an oval address. He has to lead now. It has gone too far and gotten out of hand. Or C, I'm so freaking high right now. <laughs> well, I think here's what I'll say C is just implied in everything <laughs> Don Jr. does. So we know it's not that. That's just an ongoing implication. Uh, Michael, I'm, I'm afraid you're going to have to use the word Hershey squirts because I'm very familiar with the works of Donald J. Trump Jr. It is B. We need he, an uh, oval address. Out. He has to lead now. It's gone too far and gotten out of hand. And you are correct. That is it. He texted a bunch of times to Mark Meadows, yeah. including, quote, he's got to condemn this crap. He didn't say crap. ASAP. Yeah. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough, he said. Uh, and, yeah. and, and Mark Meadows texted back i know i'm trying 
uh, I'm pushing, you know, you, so apparently he was trying at that point in time. This is, this is, and if you've ever seen anybody in a bad relationship where something terrible happens and that you think they're finally going to be out of the relationship and you go to brunch with them and they're like, that's it. I'm done with them. I can't anymore. And then like a week and a half later, they're like, you know, posting their engagement pictures on, <laughs> on Insta Instagram. That's what watching one six was with the Republicans. You're like, OK, this is it. They're done. But no, no, no. We're, we're st we still love them. I can't. I can't. He just has my heart. Yeah, I, I just don't get it with those. It guys. is a see also Lindsey Graham. See also Ted Cruz. All of these right. folks that <laughs> Donald Trump said horrible things about. And, right. you know, during the primary, they just railed him. And then, you know, <laughs> now they're best well, friends. Here's what I'm going to say about Ted Cruz. I can't really attack him because I believe at this point it is uh, just a fetish. And I don't <laughs> want to kink shame. I think he no likes to be humiliated. And you know what? More power to him. I think everybody else is sad. But him, he's just sitting in a bathtub full of glycerin going, this is wonderful. I love it more. Yeah. He's got a thing for people who call his dad as the Zodiac killer. That's that's his kink. All right. Question three. For this question, we're playing for a coveted The Internet Says It's True sticker. Uh, oh these are very hard to come by, extremely valuable. And everyone who's ever gotten the third question right, I owe them one. And so by the time I actually do mail them out, I'll be out of them. Uh, the <laughs> Dino Dig Ranch in Colorado. This is where our story took place, right? It's now owned by Ken Ham who runs Answers in Genesis and their Creation Museum in Kentucky, also the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. Oh, uh, that's an Indiana Jones ride, if I'm not mistaken. It, 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 it falls short of the excitement of Indiana Jones. It's really just a museum where there are literal dinosaurs wearing saddles. That's sure. a thing that exists in yeah. these museums. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's not the question, though. Which one of these is a real thing that Ken Ham once argued? A. Dinosaurs knew God, and that's why they never ate humans. B. Oh, yeah. okay. Chick-fil-A's success is evidence that creationism is real. Or C. In Pokemon Go, the characters evolve immediately instead of millions of years, which is evidence against evolution. So, I... I don't know this one, so this is going to be a guess, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use a, a word that you said, which was no God. Now I don't know what your background is. I don't know if you're an evangelical. So this is my think. I'm just telling you my thinking. If you're not an evangelical, I think you probably wouldn't have said no God the way they do, unless you're really good at writing these things. You might be. So if I get this wrong, this is my hat tip to you michael kent i'm gonna go with a so here's here's what i have to give you a little bit of context i, I wrote this including the, these questions after spending the week reading about young earth creationists oh, and gotcha, after gotcha. spending the week i feel like i was talking like them and so the correct answer is not A, it is C. In Pokemon Go, the characters evolve immediately, which is evidence against evolution. And uh, <laughs> which the best part about this is I have audio. So listen to this. So they evolve. Yes. 
That's not good it for a creationist. It doesn't take millions you know. of years, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, it happens immediately? Pretty much. <laughs> so is it evidence against evolution, or so Pokemon evolves? Okay. Okay, so what do you do? Press evolve. Press evolve. Uh, let's see what happens. Okay. It has evolved into a bigger, better bird, apparently. But it's still a bird. <laughs> it's still a bird. Yes, it is. That's not evolution. It should have evolved in... It should have evolved into something else. So there you go. Um, a, a gross mischaracterization of both Pokemon Go and evolution in one sound clip. Here's my thinking on this. You know how, like, when the Nigerian scammers send out the email? Yes. They fill it with uh, mistakes and grammatical errors on purpose so it weeds out anyone smart enough to not fall for the scan the idea is if you ever see these things the only people who would respond to that letter are the people dumb enough to fall for the next step of the scam i believe this is the young earth creationist version of that okay because it's so dumb it's so unbelievably stupid that you have to already be that unbelievably stupid to go hey good point and join whatever movement he's doing. So that, to me, is like he's a Nigerian scammer, but for God. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Uh, this video, Jay, if you can track it down, I mean, I'll send you the link after this. Uh, it's worth watching. Basically, what it is, is three of his staffers, two of them which are like young, hip kids, are telling him that the Creation Museum has Pokestops built all through it and Pokemons, like, everywhere. And He's right. so confused as to how they got there and wh and why he can't see them and what he doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> he takes one of their phones and tries to catch it and can't do it. And and he's he's just stuck on this question. But who put them there? Uh, and and because he knows, you know, maybe God didn't put these monsters in my museum. Oh, so who oh. put them there? And it's half of it's sort of tongue in cheek. I, I do have to say that he's he's being playful, but it's the most pathetic thing in the world to hear his staffers like joking around with him and then I, I just yeah. got to my favorite part of what you just said was the young hip staffer at the <laughs> young earth creation museum i guess that's like an amish kid on rumspringa it like, is he's like hey this kid got it going on he knows what a phone is yeah you know? and like, at one point how, at how one point <laughs> He says he's like he's talking to the one lady and he was like, you almost got kicked out of my office because you used the word evolve. <laughs> and he was so mad that she was talking about her Pokemon's evolving. Um, this has got to be the lowest, mo least desired internship at Liberty University. Like everybody else is getting like, work for like a mega church and like, oh, man, you know, should have taken my. Jesus SAT is better. You say that, but the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter are huge, huge enterprises, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, many of those millions of dollars coming from local government. So just to support the tourism. Uh, I know people here oh, sure. in, yeah. in Columbus who have traveled down to Kentucky to go to the Ark Museum and talk about how amazing it is. It's insane to me personally. Um, yeah. So. At times like this, I think to myself, uh, when the red states talk about seceding, maybe we should let them. Maybe, yeah, maybe, possibly. Maybe go. It's all right. We'll, we'll be fine. We'll be you just do your thing, guys. Yeah. It's all right. And I, I will add a disclaimer to those of you listening in Kentucky who are not young Earth creationists. Um, you're you're cool, and you can you can uh, we'll find you somewhere to live in Ohio. 
Uh, yeah, just just Kentucky people. Cars exist. <laughs> you know, uh, so do trains and planes. Escape. There's a place on the coast that will have you. You don't have to be around these people. Get out. We will also have Jay Black on a future episode to apologize for that uh, in the future. And uh, <laughs> no, he's, he's shaking his head no. <laughs> No, I believe it. Listen, that's what we exist for. We're like the we're like a collection program for all the smart people from the red states. Yeah, just come I used here. To, you know, Ohio used to be a purple state, and it is no longer. It is very firmly red state, uh, and has been for over ten years now. So, it's not not like the cities, though, right? I mean, I feel no, like the Columbus cities the cities are bubbles. There are three of them, um, possibly four if you count Toledo. But you know, the the hubs, the the Columbus, Cincinnati, Cleveland, are all are all firmly blue. Uh, but, you know, you look at the state legislature and stuff like that. It's all very, very red. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know what, this is going to turn into me crying. If you keep going. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. The, the end of the episode is just Jay crying for 28 minutes. I don't know. What, <laughs> NPR wants this one. I, I'm going to keep going uh, because I, I, re- I know that you and I, we start talking about politics and stuff like that. It's going to go it's going to go downhill real fast and, and just super cynical. Yeah, so sure. question four for this question, we're playing for a writing credit on your next Har- Hallmark film. So <laughs> if, you, if you get this one wrong, I get a writing credit uh, or some sort of credit. It doesn't have to be writing. You can make me a key grip. I don't care. In 2013, <laughs> Mark Meadows claimed that his constituents in God's country told him to do what? A, fly a Confederate flag outside his office, B, vote against the Violence Against Women Act, or C, carry a gun onto the floor of the House of Representatives. So it was, he claimed God told him this or his constituents told him this? He he said his constituents in, quote, God's country told him to do this. I feel like it would probably be because I feel like a lot of Republicans voted against this, but then had to to explain themselves as to why they were in favor of violence against women. So that's that's my guess. But it, it, these are really well written questions because it honestly could have been any three, any of them. If you said all three of them are right, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I can see that. So I'm going to say B. You are correct. Sadly, I will not get a credit on your next Hallmark film unless I actually do some work. Uh, <laughs> actually do something, uh, which I am available for, by the way, Jay, uh, the, the, yeah, I, so yeah, again, this goes back to the fact that I spent all week reading about Mark Meadows. And so carrying a gun on the floor of the house of representatives and flying a Confederate flag outside his office. These are things that I can imagine these modern members of the Republican party doing, um, but yeah, there were like 20 or 30 in 2013 that voted against the violence against women act. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where ideological purity and I am a, a firm, uh, you know, leftist. I, you know, you know, just judging from what people have said to me in the replies, I might be a communist. I don't even know <laughs> what they tell me. But I, I do think this happens on the left and the right, where ideological purity sometimes takes you down a logical road of, of pretzel logic, where you're like, well, I believe this, so I can't vote for this, yeah. you know, because it's too much big government or whatever. And at the heart of it, it's just like, hey, don't hurt women. Maybe that you can just say okay to that, but they can't because there's some element to it. 
And I, I do think that men, this, this is just my criticism of men, get hardwired into following that logic to even a dumb degree, where I think women are a lot better at being situational and just going, well, I believe this, but this is going to be good for everybody. So I'll vote for that. So I, here's my advice to everybody. Be more like women. That's my advice. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, we can't fail by, by doing that. Uh, I will say, in the case of this Violence Against Women Act, and, and many bills that you get, you know, one party particularly voting against, I think they had their own version of the bill that I'm sure was right. was different in quite a few ways. But that lets them, yeah. that's another one of these ideological uh, loopholes that makes them think, well, it's okay that I vote against this because we've got our own and that's why. I want them to vote for our own. There's had a lot of carve outs for reasons why you could be violent to women. Yeah. Like there's like, yeah. you mostly don't. But here's the reasons why you should. Yeah, you know, because that was, that was the what version. if the woman talks back to you? In that case, yeah. Oh, yeah. they want to going. be able oh, no. to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we could probably put that in there. If I were Joe Rogan or something like that, someone would just isolate that clip and put it on Twitter right now and just say, like, Michael Kent is for violence against women. Um, it, it would only be problematic if they could find 70 instances. 70. Spotify removed 70 episodes of his. Um, which is is pretty great for all the people who are like Joe Rogan won the Spotify war last week. <laughs> I, I said this morning the Spotify. Uh, I could just picture a year ago Spotify was out to brunch with its friends and was just like, "Listen, I know he's a racist and a sexist, and he spreads misinformation." but I feel like marriage is really going to change him. You know, like I feel like that is the conversation. And all their friends were like, no, no, Spotify, don't. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a bad sitch over there. Yeah, yeah. And, and part of this, and this gets into a completely different conversation before we move into our last question, but I, I think part of it is like, as a interviewer, podcaster, mm -hmm. what responsibility do you have and this is not counting about the things he's actually said, but just right. about the things like when he has a guest come on and say that black people and white people have different, their brains are wired differently to do different things in their life, right? Something that's absurd and any actual real scientist would tell you is absurd. What, what uh, authority does he have or what responsibility does he have to push back on that? You know, is he so just a guy I, I have, who's just jovial, like, oh, I'm just asking the questions? Or does he have to say what you're saying right now is dangerous, you know? And so I, I think that the level of responsibility that he has is in his apology, uh, he revealed what he did irresponsibly, which was he said, a lot of times I'm not prepared. And I think that his responsibility is he's speaking to 11 million people yeah. every day. You're right. He releases a podcast. And his responsibility for $100 million is not to wing it. You know, like if you saw a football announcer go, all right, the guy on the left just passed to the guy on the right. And he's, you know, like if he obviously didn't read the names of all the players, you would say that that is a bad football announcer. If you have someone on who's going to talk about race, and who's going to speak about, you know, the differences between the races. You read all week, Mark Meadows. That's fun for nobody. Even Mark <laughs> Meadows wouldn't want to do that. But you felt prepared because if you're going to speak about him, you feel a responsibility to know about it. If he's going to have these people on, he should read about it himself before bringing it on. That's his responsibility. You're absolutely right. 
it's also something that's a new problem, right? Like this is a, you know, it used to like you can't get on television to the point where it used to be. You couldn't get on television to the point where you're doing these high level interviews until you have proven yourself able to talk about these topics and do the work. So, you know, Joe Rogan is a comedian. He's an expert in MMA. You know, there are certain things he could talk about drugs probably better than most people. There are certain things that he has the the. He doesn't have to do the research ahead of time. He doesn't have to prepare. But right. what responsibility does he have? You know what I mean? Like, what, no one made him. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. He go down the COVID loophole. Or the it, rabbit hole. Yeah, he, he didn't have to do. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to be. You know, uh, put himself in this arena where now he's becoming the people that that other people that his listeners look to for advice and for all this crap. You know, the the guy who was saying that this is just mass formation psychosis, you know, like that it's all made up. Uh, and he kept saying he was the inventor of the vaccine. Um, Rachel Maddow would at that moment go, excuse me, sir, you are not the inventor of the vaccine. You contributed research 30 years ago that many other people worked on to create the mRNA vaccine. So to say that you have absolute authorial, you know, uh, uh, authority here is wrong. That's it. That's all you have to say. And then you're off the hook and it's the other guy's problem. Sure. All you have to do is know enough to have an actual conversation with somebody and go, yeah, I don't know about that. And that's it. Yeah. And, and you're good. And, and that's one thing. And you brought up Rachel Maddow as an example. And it's a great example because she will not generally interview someone on her show until after she has done at least five minutes talking about that topic. And she will start her interview by saying, first off, let me ask you, is there anything that I misinterpreted, got wrong or left out? And what a great way to start an interview, because you've said, here's here's what you believe. Here's what you're what you're saying. Is that correct? And that that way, there's there's you know, there's a show that the host knows what they're talking about and knows the topic really well. And the other person can sit and correct them and say, well, that's not what I said. You're putting words in my mouth. So preparation. Yeah. Just preparation. be prepared and, I, and, you know, be a decent human. And I think nobody's going to be on your back about it. That's all. That's good. You know, I'm going to leave all this in. Um, we're going to go. The, the podcast is going to be a little longer than normal. But that conversation we had, I think, is something that people need to hear. So we're just going to leave that in this week. Um, and we'll move into our last question, Jay. And this one's for sure. all the marbles. Again, if you get it wrong, you're banned from the show. You're never coming back. Oh. All the Joe Rogan fans are like, get it wrong. (laughs) Here's here's your question. And and this one may even kind of connect to the conversation we just had. Here's the question. How should we be relating to Americans whose worldview is so dramatically different than ours? Here's this is going to seem a little strange, but, you know, I I'm a big fan of Tom Nichols. I don't know if you uh, I'm not familiar stuff. He wrote the book, uh, The Death of Expertise, and he wrote, uh, just came out with a book called My Own Worst Enemy. And he's a professor at Dartmouth and Harvard and the Naval Academy. That's where he's worked. And he talks about that this idea that happened just in the last generation where we've stopped giving uh, experts their due, you know, which is like if a medical, if Dr. Fauci says something, but you don't believe it, you, we feel empowered to say, oh, well, well, I don't believe that. And everybody around you goes, well, I guess that's just your opinion. You can do that, right? So every, like, we've gotten to this point where we have become so 
okay in letting people say nonsense around us that we don't call people out on nonsense anymore. And I think a lot of people have said, um, we have to relate to people by understanding them. And I think that that's true in general, like the empathy level of understanding people. But when someone says something nonsensical, I think what we owe is to bring back a sense of shame just a little bit so that you don't feel like you're empowered to say your stupid, dumb, dumb ideas about race or religion or science. Like if you're out with friends and they say the N word, you can't just go, well, that's, you know, it's, it's how he is. That's what right. he does. You have to say at that moment, that's wrong. You're being wrong and you can't do that. And you have to have the courage to cut that person out of your life if, if it continues, right? So I think that we, we bridge the divide by bringing back a sense of shame to people for saying ridiculous things. And I mean that on the left too. Like if someone says we should kill all the Republicans, that's a shameful thing to say too. So we have to get people back into the center by shaming the fringes. And once we get to the center, there are legitimate conversations that we can have about the direction of this country and the best way to do it. But we don't do it by empowering QAnon wackos to say that Tom Hanks is eating babies. That's <laughs> ridiculous. And anybody that gives them the moment and the, the platform to say that without going, you're a lunatic, that's where we start to, you know, the asymptotic lines just go off into infinity on either side of stupidity. Yeah. So I, I would say a little bit of shame back in our life until the fringes shut up and we can talk about things in the center. That is a correct answer and bonus points for using the word asymptotic, uh, which is a fantastic <laughs> visual for, to describe what you're talking about. Um we, we could have this conversation forever. This could keep on going, but we've already gone over time. So I do want to say uh, thanks for for taking some time out of your, your weekend to talk to me and go follow J Black Comedy on Twitter. Is it J Black Comedy on Twitter? J Black is funny. J Black is funny. Uh, so J Black is funny, which which allows him to do other things like mime and magic um, as long as he's funny. <laughs> So it's Jay Black is funny. And if if you like this conversation and you want to be angry about it or happy about it all day, that's the Twitter feed. This is all it is. I apologize. And Michael, I have so much fun talking about this. Could we do 95 podcasts right now? You can just release them over the next two years. As long as Spotify doesn't take them down all at once, that'll be <laughs> that'll be good. Uh, Jay, it's so good to, to see you again. Go find Jay Black online. And uh, thank you for this conversation. Thanks for having me. Well, that is all for this week. Next week will be a completely different topic, so send those in on our website. Thanks to Jay Black for being my guest. Here's a homeschooled kid who found the lost Ark of the Covenant. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. 
The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make the show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kemp. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Quinces Moreira and Kevin McLeod. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. 